0: This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others, and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Hey, friends, welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. Each episode, I sit down with a guest to discuss their life journey and how the grace of God has impacted them along the way. After listening to today's episode, I hope you are encouraged that God can use you right now in the midst of your day-to-day life. Yes, it requires daily surrender and trust, but we must remember His grace is enough. Today's episode, I sit down and chat with Jackie Craig about how a job staging houses led to the Green Chair Project. The Green Chair Project is a nonprofit that has helped more than 2,300 families who are transitioning from homelessness, crisis, or disaster fully furnish the home they are moving into. Listen to what Jackie shares about how many clients respond to choosing their own home furnishings.
1: There's just a lot of happy tears because having the dignity to get to choose what you want, and, and what you want to provide for your family um, is something that when you have been living in poverty, um, that you are not always um, afforded that experience. Choice is, is, not, is not common.
0: Hi, Jackie. Welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. It's great to have you on the show today.
1: Oh, thank you, Amber. I am thrilled to be here.
0: Will you take a few moments and introduce us to yourself and your family and tell us a little bit about the Green Chair Project?
1: Sure. Um, I'm Jackie Craig. I live in Raleigh, North Carolina. I am the executive director and a co-founder of the Green Chair Project, which is a nonprofit that provides furnishing assistance to folks who are um, recovering from homelessness or crisis or even after disasters. We are located right in downtown Raleigh, and we partner with local human service agencies and nonprofits that are supporting people who are making that transition from homelessness or recovering from crisis. And by partnering with those agencies, we are able to um, support um, their recovery. And the agencies identify and screen and are, are working with and provide assurance that they, these folks are, are truly in, in a recovery stage. And they're able, uh, when they do get housing, to be able to come to the green share for a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to choose a whole home of furnishings at one time all to support them and to live more sustainably in their recovery efforts. We're about a nine-year-old organization. Um, Again, I am a co-founder, literally started it in a closet at our church, just collecting the extra things that we all have in our cupboards and in our closets, and how could we be the conduit to use those things for good for those who need it in our community. So we never thought it would go beyond the closet. And today we're in 32,000 square feet on Capitol Boulevard in downtown Raleigh. And we have served thousands of people and helped them have a fresh start.
0: Well, I love the work that the Green Share Project is doing. And so as we get into that, before we get into too much detail, will you take us back to pre Green Share Project? What were you doing at that time and you and your co founder? How did this how did this get birthed in you?
1: Well, I had um had the good fortune to retire from corporate life when my two daughters were about three and four years old, and I was the stay at home mom who chaired the events was the room parent was the community volunteer I led a women 's Bible study group I worked with women who were transitioning out of prison um, with a Bible study with doing art projects um, so just years of volunteering in the community um, and then my Fast forward several years, and my oldest daughter was about to go off to college. And I thought maybe led to think, what am I going to do next? Maybe I could do something different. What would my life look like? And so a friend of mine, my co-founder, Beth Smoot was a realtor. And she said, you know, Jackie, you're really good at designing. And, you know, I'm the friend that they, everybody calls when they want to, you know, change up their living room or their bookcases. Why don't you learn how to be a stager and come and stage these houses that I'm trying to sell? I'm like, okay, this, this is what I'm going to do. This is, this is going to be it. So I go get trained to be a stager. And I start, Beth and I felt a real call to work together and we just thought, okay, this is it. Well, after we staged all of two houses, I started to see a pattern emerge. Often when you're a stager and you're called in and the, the, fo- the people who are selling the house ask, well, what do I need to do to sell my house? And you're like, well, you need to get rid of a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. You need to pare it down. You need to make it look simpler. And they're like, well, what do I do with that stuff? Well, of course you donate it. you know. And they said, well, where do we donate it? I'm like, you don't know. You know, um, I've been a volunteer in the community all these years. I know plenty of places to donate it. I know plenty of people that need your stuff. Um, And they said, well, here, you take it. And so I asked my church, could I just borrow this closet thinking this is all it would ever be, an occasional lamp or a toaster and we'll match it up with the needs in the community, little did we know that's really where the call was to create the Green Share Project. So Beth and I saw, saw the need both in the community from those of us that have stuff and wanted it to be used in meaningful ways, and for those folks who were starting over in life for a variety of reasons and needed, needed that stuff to help them have more sustainable lives.
0: And so you were in this closet at your church. And Mm -hmm. when did you finally realize we've outgrown this closet and we need to do something different?
1: Well, it was actually just a matter of weeks. And that closet turned into a Sunday school room that turned into a small rented space that turned into storage units that turned into storage trailers that led us to another rented space, and basically within a year, it was up full scale, and uh, we had served already hundreds of people and uh, really saw the need for our, our service um, in the community, and uh, right away, my business partner, co-founder Beth, she was an, also an attorney in addition to being a realtor, so she was really instrumental in helping us know the, the steps to go through to become an independent nonprofit, Right, how to take those steps that you Create a corporation and register the business. So we took, you know, just kept taking one little step after the other. And pretty soon we were just up and running and God took care of the rest.
0: Wow. And so those early days, how did you initially get hooked up with the families that you provide these furnishings for?
1: Sure. Well, right away, because again, from being a volunteer in the community, I already was well acquainted with different programs that were helping people recover from homelessness. And one of those was called Step Up Ministry. And I went to the director of Step Up Ministry and said, Hey, I have this idea. Do you ever have families that need furnishings when they're recovering from homelessness? And he's like, absolutely. How soon can you start? Wow. So we knew, we knew the need um, was there and it just accelerated from there. So we piloted it with Step Up Ministry And then as that became clear and evident that then, you know, that what we were doing was valid and and much needed, we then expanded and added other agencies that we would meet and be introduced to. And uh, today we partner with every nonprofit or human service agency within Wake County, um, where Raleigh resides, um, over 60-some agencies that are able to refer and use the green chair. So, we have no clients of our own. We only serve those agencies, and they in turn bring their clients to be served by us.
0: An agency contacts you. They set up what I'm assuming is an appointment for right. an individual or for a family to come in to the green chair. What does that look like? This person, this family shows up, then what?
1: First of all, they're always surprised when they come in to it's our beautiful. oh. Thank you. And when people walk in right away, we try to make it very welcoming and very, very inviting and very non-intimidating for any of us. So through our front door walk volunteers, they walk uh, the donors who donate the furnishings and the clients. So we all come in the same way. We're all welcomed the same way. Um, And we welcome the clients into our furniture showroom. And we have a beautiful showroom set up just like a Rooms to Go or any other furniture store. Um, That would have arrangements of furniture and different departments, if you will. We have a private shopping experience that we offer each client. So their case manager from their agency accompanies the client, and then they have this guided shopping experience through our showroom that starts with choosing things like a bath basket that includes everything you need for a bathroom, towels, shower curtain, washcloths, moving on to Things you might need for your to make up a bed, your comforter, your pillows, your sheets, and so forth. And then on to dishes and pots and pans and all the essentials you need to cook a meal. Then they move on to furnishings, and they're able to choose everything from a couch to the table and chairs to lamps. And by the end of the experience, you know, they're matching artwork to match the pillows. And there's just a lot of happy tears because... Mm-hmm. Having the dignity to get to choose what you want and and what you want to provide for your family um, is something that when you have been living in poverty um, mm-hmm. that you are not always um, afforded that experience choice is is not is not common, and so to have this this amount of choice and wonderful quality things that have been lovingly prepared by volunteers and presented in a beautiful way. It's it's as much about the experience for that client as it is about the furniture. And it really is symbolic of the icing on the cake of their recovery because they're back home again. They yeah. have recovered. They now have a home again. And so they literally go home that night and the moving truck follows behind them and they have a fully equipped home that night. So a lot of times a mom, single mom will come in and make the choices of her furnishings. And she says she's surprising her kids. So when they come home from school that day, they'll have a fully furnished home. They'll have their own beds, something that they have been living without. And just to see the pride that a mom, hardworking single mom can take in that is, you know, and knowing that, that it's so impactful and what a difference it'll make in the lives of her children. It's an amazing experience.
0: So not only does Green Chair Project provide this experience for people, but you all also have a lot of different fundraisers that you do, a lot of different projects that you do. And one of those is providing beds and bedding for families or children. I don't know all of the details, but can you share that with us?
1: So from the beginning of Green Chair, we did not provide mattresses because in the state of North Carolina, you cannot give out a used mattress in our program so they would have to be sanitized and that's a whole other management larger scale project so we elected early on provide everything but the mattress and a few years after we were into the project a school social worker from one of the local public schools came in to me and asked you know if we could please provide beds to the kids at her school and I'm like I'm sorry we don't we don't have beds and she said well you know it's just an epidemic um, how many kids are sleeping on the floor? And I said, "Where, where are you talking about? Is this yeah. another country? And where, where are you speaking of?" And she said, "Oh no, right here at Wiley Elementary, an elementary school that's inside the Beltline in Raleigh. So a very mm-hmm. what you would think of as a very um, upper, upper middle class neighborhood, and that you would never, never dream. And and most most of us don't. Not to generalize, but most of us it doesn't even occur to us that some people don't have beds. But we tried to meet the need." by saying, okay, well, let us raise a little money, and here's a few beds that didn't satiate the need. So let's do some more, and let's do some more. And what we found is we could not satiate this need. And once other schools heard that we were doing this, they said they had a big need. So we got a grant, and we had given out several hundred beds. And I turned the data over to NC State and asked their data analytics department to analyze the data and tell us how many kids in Wake County they thought needed beds, because it is a question that no one was asking. No one knew. Right. There was no reason for people to ask because there was no solution. It wasn't just a common you know, common question. So nobody could tell us what the real universe was of kids that needed beds. So we turned this data over to NC State, and they had some students Study that if these kids that we had just served needed beds, then what is the what is the full universe of of all the kids in Wake County of which might need beds? And they came back to us and they said between five and ten thousand children in Wake County did not have a bed of their own, and that was their wow. their conservative estimate. And once we heard that number, we just thought, okay, this this needs to be part of our program. This is what we do. You know, we can provide all this furniture all day long, but if a kid is still sleeping on the floor, that, you know, that is not, that's not enough. And so we provide today a brand new twin size bed um, for a child, as well as a new pillow and new sheets and new comforter. And that's for every child that we serve. And in addition to providing them for the children that we serve, the families who shop in our showroom, we also have an outreach program. So through the um, social workers in the Wake County public school system, um, they are able to identify children who don't have a bed of their own. And how that happens is usually the social worker is made aware because maybe there's an issue with attendance or maybe the kid has fallen asleep in class or maybe there's a chronic illness. But for whatever reason, the social worker is called in, happens to visit the home and sees there is no bed for this child. So throughout the school year, we make available a certain amount of beds according to whatever funding that that we can provide. And then uh, we do a mass distribution to those kids throughout the school year. So just before Christmas, for example, this year, we delivered um, about 150 beds to children. And to me, some of those uh, deliveries have become my most memorable experiences with Green Chair. To see a child jump up and down and be so excited about getting a bed has is, is just been um, really impactful for me to think that this this is a day in a kid's life that he or she is never going to forget. You know, many times it's, a, it's even a middle schooler, you know, who will say, this is the first bed I've ever had. Um, or, you know, or maybe it's the, the four-year-old going to get to start their school, their life in school now with a bed who wouldn't have had one otherwise. At all ends of the spectrum, it's, um, it's wonderful to think that, you know, we can't alter that child's circumstances. I can't change the environment that they live in, mm-hmm. but I can make sure that that child has a bed. We can make sure that that child is getting a good night's rest, that that child has a space of their own. You
0: mm-hmm. know, if you're just
1: sleeping on the floor in the living room, you know, you, you don't have any place to retreat to. You know, you can't go to bed whenever you want, or you can't go have it curl up and read a book wherever you want. You're in the midst of, of that household. And so it's so much more than just a bed to sleep in. It's also a bed to call your own. It's a bed to retreat to. And to think that the difference of what that might make to that child that may live in a chaotic environment mm-hmm. or that may live in other circumstances that they need to retreat from. Um, it's nice to know that is something we can do. And that that is something in our community that we can change.
0: Well, and it's, it's such a beautiful picture of the way that you are just being faithful in what God has given you and taking every step necessary and moving forward, moving forward, just to meet the needs. And isn't that what God calls us to do? You know, meet the needs of people, do what you can do.
1: That's right. All we can do is be his eyes and ears. I recently went on a, the bed delivery right before Christmas. And I don't go on all of them, but I like to experience a few. And I rode along on this one with the movers and entered the home and that little boy, little girl, four and five years old, jumping up and down, so excited to have a bed. In their home was nothing. Wow. Nothing, not one piece of furniture that was usable. And then by the time we left, they each had a bed with a beautiful little comforter and bright colors and uh, a space that they could call their own. And they were both sitting on their bed and jumping on their bed. And the mother that was there alongside of them was just so appreciative and so kind and just so uh, grateful for what we had just done. And I said, well, so where are you sleeping? And she said, oh, we all sleep on the floor Mm, together. And, um, and i noticed that her head um was wrapped in a scarf as if it's someone who has been going through chemotherapy and i talked to her about that and she said yes i was diagnosed with leukemia and i have been going through chemotherapy and radiation and a bone marrow transplant this is with a 3 and a 4 year old and an infant oh my god and and i said well so you're sleeping on the floor too and she said Yes, yes. She had not slept in a bed since she was in the hospital for 100 days getting her bone marrow transplant, for example. So if I hadn't have been along on on that um, delivery, I wouldn't have heard that I wouldn't have talked to her. I know that that is where God needed me to be. And as a result, we were able to get in touch with that the children's social worker, we were able to get that mama to the green chair, and she was able to get a whole household full of furniture. And then I happened to be telling a friend about this and they said, well, I'm going to give her a bed because we don't happen to have funding to have adult beds, but this friend provided the bed for her. And so, you know, it's not me, it's just the place that God put, you know, and I happened to be his eyes and ears that day, and he knew what that family needed. And so it's just a wonderful opportunity to be in the middle of that, you know, to really experience being where God wants you to be and seeing how he can use you to fulfill, you know, his work.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And all all we have to do is listen and pay attention.
0: Yes, Um, there's plenty of need out there.
1: Right, right. And it's just taking one step at a time in obedience and recognizing that what we're seeing or what we hear, what we're hearing is important. And what is God calling me to do about that?
0: I hope you're enjoying today's episode. I wanted to take a moment to introduce today's sponsor. I have recently began to understand the impact my purchases can have, and I want that impact to be positive. With Design for Joy, I know each purchase made is an investment in a woman who is being equipped To rejoin the job market with stronger faith, more confidence, and marketable skills. Design for Joy is a transitional work experience for women coming from trafficking, time in prison, homelessness, and other vulnerable situations. These women receive a living wage for their work creating a brand of jewelry and bags. And have I mentioned that I own several items from Design for Joy that always receive compliments from my friends? And they spark conversations on how we can wear cute jewelry and carry cute bags with greater joy because we are providing a much-needed job to the women in the Triangle area. Not only do I wear their products, I love to give their products as gifts for every occasion. I've seen their bright, beautiful studio. I believe in what they are doing. So I want to encourage you to influence change in the lives of women By following and purchasing ethically made products from Design for Joy, visit www.designforjoy.com, or if you live in the Triangle area, visit their shop in the Boylan Heights area of Raleigh, North Carolina. Well, and I know you guys have so many sets of volunteers that come in to help you. From what I see on social media, just all over. Can you Mm -hmm. talk to us a little bit about what are your volunteer needs? Sure groups of people, individuals, what are those needs and even donation needs?
1: Well, about 40% of our work is done by volunteers and that is intentional on our part. We want to involve the whole community in our project. That's the name, the Green Chair Project. Mm. We knew it would be about the whole community coming together. So there's volunteer opportunities for everyone from high schoolers who might come after school and help test the coffee pots that we are donated or test the toasters and make sure they work. All the way up to men and women who come on a regular basis every Tuesday or every Thursday or every Wednesday to volunteer in a consistent way. And they organize by departments and they often choose, some ladies choose to work in the kitchen department, some choose to work in the linen department, some men choose to work in the furniture workshop. So there's lots of opportunities um, to plug in and be able to use whatever you know, their unique talents and skills are as well. And then we, in addition to those regular kind of one-off volunteer opportunities, we also have corporate groups that come in to volunteer. So maybe in your workplace, you might want your whole team or department to come and volunteer together, kind of a team building activity. And so we host um, those opportunities as well.
0: And then what are some of the highest donation needs that Green Chair Project has? Oh, right. Well,
1: we need donations every day because, as you can imagine, we're serving 10 to 15 families a week. So that's 10 couches that are going out the door. That's 10 tables and chairs. Um, That's 10 dressers. So our inventory is very fluid, so we need inventory all the time. So for large items like a couch or a dresser or table and chairs, we will come to your house and pick it up at no charge to you in Wake County. All you do is go to our website at thegreenchair.org, click on Donate Furniture and there's a form that you fill out and we will come to your home. So we need that furniture on an every week. So we do that two, three times a week where we're out in the community picking up things because our inventory is very fluid and the need is so great. And then for smaller things like toasters or lamps or pots and pans, you can just bring those in our front doors. Mm-hmm. So you can just bring them in your car. You can drop them off any day between 10 and 5. Tuesday through Friday, and then the first and third Saturday of every month as well, from 10 to 1.
0: You're currently under a renovation at your brick-and-mortar store, and you said you already have 32,000 feet, which speaks volumes about how many people you are serving. Right. So what is that renovation What's it all about? What's the plan? Because you just have a beautiful area. It's very clear that you're great with design because when I've walked in there, it's very welcoming and just a beautiful place.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you. We we sure try to make it feel that way. We had the good fortune um after renting this building that we're in for 6 years, we had the good fortune that the landlord came to us and said that they didn't want to be a landlord anymore, and they would like to sell us the building. Well, we just said, well, we, we don't have a, you know millions of dollars in our back pocket. But they said, well, we want to make it possible. And so they gave us a very charitable discount on the building. And in turn, our board of directors decided that we would then embark on a capital campaign to raise the necessary money. And uh, not only to purchase the building, but then if we're going to be owners of the building, let's be good stewards and renovate the building to bring it up to today's standards right. and also to help us be able to expand our capacity. As owners of the building, we could do some remodeling that would help us improve our capacity. Our goal is to scale up our operation to by the year 2020, which isn't very far away now. We want to be serving 1,000 households a year you know, that's about a 20 some percentage increase a year, but we know that's just the tip of the iceberg in terms of the need. So it was our goal that if we're going to scale up to serving a thousand households a year, we needed our space to um, help us function better, help us um, improve our capacity. So we're not adding on to the building. We're just in turn um, renovating it to make it work more efficiently for us and be able to serve more clients.
0: Well, I'm excited to see how the renovation comes along and just the way that Green Chair Project continues to grow. Something else that I wanted to ask you about before we start closing up here is I've seen on social media that you, you have some people who take a chair, kind of redo it, and then I'm assuming it is for fundraising. Can you talk to us a little bit about that?
1: Sure, Amber. I think you're talking about our charity event, and that's C H A I R I T Y charity event, and that happens this year in April on April 25th. It is a gala of sorts, um, in a casual sense, that happens um, here at our building, um, where we have an evening of food and fun, and silent auction and live auction, and the highlight is 10 interior designers from the community have come and chosen chairs that we have been donated. And in turn they they make over these chairs with new fabrics and uh, essentially redesign them, and then those are auctioned off to help raise money for the project. They really make some beautiful creations. Um, I personally even have bought in the auction um, a chair that they have, and it's just so much fun to see a, a chair that's been transformed. And just like the green chair transforms lives, and, and in turn, then the money, again, that's that's raised just all goes to support the project.
0: Well, it's such a fun Charity event and just idea and that's something that i've really enjoyed following the green chair project on instagram because not only do i learn about what you're doing about the mission about the Mm -hmm. families impacted but there's also the fun aspect of it that seems to be really brought in, and it's like a community wide effort for sure.
1: Yes, we try to find ways to um, to engage the community and heighten awareness. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they say 74 people are moving into Wake County every day, and we need them to know about the green share. Best thing anyone can do for us is tell a neighbor, tell a friend, yes. tell a coworker, because people. Once they know, they they love to have their things that they don't use anymore go into right into the hands of someone that needs them. But unfortunately, because there aren't green chairs in other cities, people just don't automatically know about us. So we try to do um, events that will try to heighten awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, um, social media is very good for that as well. But we are always in need of getting the word out to the community, um, so they can you know donate furniture, so they can volunteer and and support us financially as well.
0: Yeah, and I have shared Green Chair Project many times because of just that, of learning about it through a friend and then loving what you're doing and just sharing, even to the point of at Christmas, don't throw your boxes away. Take them by the green chair. They can use them.
1: That's right. That's absolutely right. And, you know, even um, a simple financial donation of $250 helps put a child in a bed. Wow. So we often see at Christmas or Valentine's Day or for birthday, um, instead of buying someone a present, they buy them a, a bed that's given to a child in their honor.
0: Wow. So uh,
1: there's lots of ways to give, even in small increments, it, it all makes a difference. Um, the, more, um, the more financially you know stable we are, the more beds we can buy, the more furniture we can provide, the more outreach we can do. So um, we put those dollars to good work.
0: Well, we end our show with a few questions that I'm going to ask you. We all have to cling to the grace of God, but we certainly have times in our life where we can do nothing else but fully cling to that grace. Is there a situation in your life that you could share with us that you feel like you've really had to cling to the grace of God?
1: Oh, absolutely. Every day, every day here. I can remember when God was whispering in my ear about starting something, starting this vague idea of how to use furnishings to change lives. And when I just kept hearing that voice and hearing that voice, one day I said, Lord, Let's either get on with this or help me get this crazy idea out of my head. And uh, I prayed that that morning and I led a women's Bible study group and I went into Bible study and I was the first one there. And this little, little woman, older woman in the Bible study named Angeline, she comes carrying in a huge box and she said, Jackie, do you know anybody that needs a lamp? Like what? Well, I also have a toaster. Do you know any, do you know anybody that needs a toaster? I just felt like I should bring these to you. Well, of course I burst into tears and you know, (laughs) I I hadn't told anybody about this idea or I just knew that God was being very persistent. And I knew that I was saying, you want me to do what, Mm -hmm. what do I know about starting a nonprofit? I had no experience in this. And from that moment on, I have just clung to him because again, what did I know about starting a nonprofit? I didn't. And he has taught me all of it. And, you know, a lot of times we, we don't take that step because we don't see the full picture. Yeah. And that is really where the leap of faith happens, that all that may be revealed to us is just what taking that next step. And mm-hmm. once we take the next step, you know, then we start to see, but you don't always know what's ahead. And so all you have is God's grace. It's, it's, You don't have a picture of what it's going to be or where he's taking you. And so um, I have found that whether it was in the day we, we started this or right now as I lead a staff of 20 people and hundreds of volunteers, what do I know about this? It is only as he equips me and that I trust him. Of course, that's a daily battle because I often think, oh, I'm supposed to take this all on my shoulders and figure all of this out. But I need that constant reminding that, no, I just have to trust him. And and that's relying on his grace. And that's a daily exercise for me.
0: Well, if you had the opportunity to sit down with your great-grandchildren and give them some wisdom, what's something you would want to share with them?
1: That's a great question. I think my greatest life lesson that I would want to pass on to them that I've learned through the the experience of starting the green chair project would be to just listen to that persistent whisper in your Mm -hmm. head. It really is real. And if you listen to that, don't rationalize it away. Just take the next step. Mm -hmm. You know, God doesn't ask us to have the whole plan figured out. Just take the next step. I was just supposed to put that toaster and lamp in, in that closet. That's all. And then then the next step and the next step and the next step. And it's just practicing that obedience. And somehow there's this magical equation that once we take that step, once we're obedient, he just takes it and multiplies it immensely.
0: And he's so uh, faithful, isn't he?
1: Yeah. And so I think that, you know, that that is. I wish I had had that figured out, you know, as a much younger person. So I would hope that maybe someday my grandchildren um, would know that lesson and be, be able to learn that at an earlier stage in life. Although I still feel like I practice it every
0: Absolutely. every day.
1: And, I, and, and a lot of times I fail and I try it again. And, you know, it's just a it's a muscle, that that obedience. And you just have to practice it all mm-hmm. the time to keep it, keep it working. And we forget so quickly just how faithful he is and uh, how we just have to take that one little step.
0: Well, Jackie, thank you so much for being here today. I want to encourage any of our listeners to check out the Green Chair Project. You can find them online and on Instagram. And if you're in the Raleigh area, they are off Capitol. It is a building that can be easy to miss, so just look for the green chairs out front. That's how <laughs> I always find it, the beautiful green chairs. Thank you,
1: Amber. appreciate the opportunity to, to talk about the experience of starting it and what God is, has been faithful throughout, and this continues to be um, to his glory.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives to listen to previous episodes featuring women who are impacting God's kingdom by taking small steps of faith in their day-to-day lives. And if you are a regular listener of the show, thank you for tuning in week in and week out. Be sure to head over to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the podcasts. Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure you never miss a new episode of the podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for links and resources at graceenoughpodcast.com. If you share the show on social media, use the hashtag GraceEnoughPodcast Podcast or tag me at Grace Enough Podcast underscore Amber on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time!
1: This episode
0: was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.